Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. When booking with other vacation rental apps sounds like this. This place doesn't look like the pictures. Ah, is there a door behind all those spiders? It's time to try one that sounds more like a vacation. Ah, this is perfect. Relax, you booked a Verbo. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on Shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, yeah. you can't get fooled again. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel, and I'm staring at Marcus Parks. Hey, Ben. Marcus, you look great today. Thank Update uh, Herbert the <laughs> Herbert the Herpy is gone. He's dead. He's never coming back. Oh, he's coming back. Okay. Oh, they come back. They always come back. <laughs> Speaking of it always comes back, we watched the movie It. Marcus and I had a chance to go with our significant others, and I got to say, awesome movie. It's great. Yes. Check out the movie It uh, for sure. See it in theaters and let Stephen King know that that one scene that he wrote with the children uh, is creepy. <laughs> and I'm happy that the, I'm he happy knows. they didn't show it. He knows. He he actually made a whole statement about it. And he, he was did. Like, he's like, I really wonder why people focused more on that than all the child murder. Uh-huh. He's like, it says something. I don't know what. It says it's creepy. I'll, I'll tell you that much. We got Travis Irvine with us today. Thanks for joining us, Travis. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Great to be back. Absolutely. So we did win the primary. Unbelievable, Marcus. Thank you for your support. Of course. Uh, all of your hard work. And Travis Irvine, the campaign manager, BK for BK. I just want to thank everyone uh, up top who came out and voted. We had 1,300 votes in an independent, unaffiliated, off-season, basically, primary, uh, which is really a lot. It's, just, it's a significant amount of votes. And, it is. And that really, that's uh, an incredible feeling, uh, knowing that 1,300 people uh, cast their vote, actively got out, and participated in this great Republic's democratic process. So, uh, so thank you all so much, and uh, we're going to keep on moving uh, towards the general. But let's get into what's happened this past week uh, nationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donald Trump, he has angered the GOP. They are absolutely livid. He is hearkening back to early 2016 when he was destroying uh, his primary competitors when running for the nomination to become the Republican uh, nominee for President of the United States. Uh, He has sided with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer on a significant uh, budget deal when it comes to raising uh, the debt ceiling for another three months. Steve Bannon, interviewed by Charlie Rose, has declared war on the GOP. Fascinating stuff right now in American politics to have the We knew it was an insurgent campaign when Donald Trump was running. And again, you know, we saw him in 2016 during the primary telling us that he gave everybody money, all of this uh, really exposing a lot of the lies and a lot of the hypocrisy that we know to be true when it comes to the Republican and Democratic establishments of the uh, of the of the nation. And now we're seeing it actually manifest itself in reality. And a lot of people, the Mark Levins of the world, Sean Hannity's of the world, these staunch Republicans are completely confused on how to react to this new um, sort of revelation that Donald Trump, we knew he was not principled. We knew he's, some people say he's pragmatic. I believe he's unprincipled. Yeah. But, uh, which is the truth of the yeah, whole that's thing. That's absolute truth. Yeah. And really, this is a Those petty. get confused very easily. Absolutely. So if you love him, you say he's pragmatic. If you're rational, you say he's unprincipled. Yeah. And uh, he hates Mitch McConnell. He hates Paul Ryan. He's absolutely 
livid they couldn't pass tax reform, absolutely livid they can't repeal and replace Obamacare, and this is his sort of schoolboy uh, antics to sort of poke them, uh, poke them in the eye with a stick, sided with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. A really fascinating uh, uh, series of events this week. Well, I mean, this is just his style. His entire style is reactionary. He doesn't care about building anything. He only cares about destroying things, and he only cares about revenge. Mm-hmm. He does. And, you know, Steve Bannon, if you had a chance to watch the Charlie Rose interview on 60 Minutes, I highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it, go see it, uh, because Bannon does not hold back. No. I don't understand why he wears two button-down shirts. Oof. Have you noticed that? Hmm. Google Steve Bannon button-down shirts. He wears a button-down shirt, and then he covers it with another button-down shirt, and then he puts on a blazer. I have no clue. Maybe it's because of the sweat or the amount of uh, bizarre sort of um, leakages coming from his skin. (laughs) I have no clue why he has to wear two button-down shirts, but he does. Yeah. Uh, It's quite fascinating. He's wearing a polo and then a button-down shirt over the polo. Yes, and that's that's what he does. That's like the fraternity guys do that. Oh, is that a frat thing? Yeah, they would wear like three polo shirts and stuff. Multiple polo shirts. Yeah, yeah. Huh. All mm-hmm. right. So in that interview, Bannon is not holding back when it comes to his total hatred of the GOP. Right. Uh, this is the entire point of uh, of the Trump campaign, or that was the massive message from the Trump campaign that I do think resonated with a lot of people. Um, of course, you also have his horrible stances on immigration. You have his horrible worldview in general. Mm-hmm. Steve Bannon's worldview is bleak. It's dark. It's Trump's worldview. Yeah. Uh, he is, he is uh, to some degree a master creator of the Trump universe, you know? And uh, it, so get a chance. Mm, no, I, don't know he's, I don't know if he's the master creator of the Trump universe. I think he's the one that put the Trump universe into political terms. He did, but he, yeah. he really, I mean, you know, he is a he's an all or nothing guy. Yeah. You're either with him 100% or you're completely against him. And that's what happened with Chris Christie, one of the stories that he told um, Charlie Rose. Now, Chris Christie disputes the story, but of course he would. And I saw him in an interview, Chris Christie. He has been spending some time at the beach. He looks like John Candy from Summer Rental. I mean, he is burned. He is a lobster of a man right now. I guess he's having a good time. Um, but Bannon basically said after they call it Billy Bush weekend, which you wonder how much Billy Bush loves that. Billy Bush weekend. It is Donald Trump weekend when he when he confessed to assaulting women. But somehow Billy Bush has gotten the brunt of the re, uh, of the uh, ramifications for that horrible uh, leaked tape. He told Chris Christie if he's not on the plane at 11 a.m. after uh, the Billy Bush weekend, as they call it, of course, that's the grab them by the you-know-what weekend, uh, he's off the team. He wasn't on the plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, of course, the plane did save a lot of gas when it comes to lifting off and things like that. <laughs> but uh, a lot of fuel, that's a classic Kissel joke. hi uh, um, But then after that, that's why he did not get a cabinet position. That's how cut and dry Steve Bannon is. Yeah. You know, there's very little gray area. He is 100% all in. Uh, when it comes to Donald Trump and supporters of Donald Trump have to completely drink the Kool-Aid. You, you can't have, there's no other beverages around. There's no Pepsi, there's no Coke. It is Trump Kool-Aid all the way. And as soon as you take a sip of something different, you're completely booted, absolutely off the team. And that's what Bannon sees with McConnell, Paul Ryan, and a lot of the other GOP establishment um, politicians. He just doesn't see them as reliable whatsoever. And you get the feeling after watching that interview, he hates them more than he hates Democrats. Yeah. Because that's his team. It's very fascinating. Well, he's all about loyalty. All and, about loyalty. And I right. think he, he thought that once he came into office with that R next to his name, that everybody that also had an R next to their name was going to fall right in line because they yeah. needed to be loyal to the brand and loyal to the party. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, you can't come in as an anti-establishment candidate right. saying that everything sucks and everything <laughs> that, everything about the party is awful and expect right. them all to fall in line with you. It's absolutely improbable, impossible, and not practical when it comes to their political motivations going towards 
towards the future. Um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, it's interesting you talk about that when it comes to the deal that uh, that uh, Trump got. Not even the deal. Basically, he just took Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's plan. Yeah, there, there was no art of the yeah. deal. No. There was, he, there he was no yes. Yeah, it. there was no manipulation. There was no like massive 4D chess going on. He just said, "Yeah, or <laughs> or is it possible? Or is it possible? I don't know. I, I yeah. mean, well, do do we know the reason why he did this? Because it, is it something? It I is. Mean, do personal. we really do we really need to give credit where credit is due and say that he tried to get through the uh, hurricane relief fund as soon as as soon as humanly possible? Well, I think it was a political victory for Donald Trump, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so going with the Democratic Party on this. Uh, it was a clear message that the GOP and uh, and Donald Trump are different entities, different political philosophies. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders, of course, uh, the press secretary, strong woman, yeah. scary, very scary. I, I am like every time she comes to the podium, I'm just like, I will eat my dinner. <laughs> I, I will, and, I'll, and I don't know, I don't even want dessert. I'm going to bed early. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, get me out of this kitchen table. Uh, get me out of this dinner, please. Uh, she's a very intense uh, press secretary. I think much more effective than Sean Spicer. Oh, much yeah. more. Yeah. Um, but she was talking. Uh, she, the, the question was, where is the GOP representation in this debt ceiling bill? And she says, Donald Trump is the Republican representation. Donald Trump is the Republican. He is the the party. Uh, and that's true. You know, he is theoretically the leader of the Republican Party. And so her answer to the question of where is actual GOP politics, where are their fiscal conservatism, you know, the limited government, these notions that they hold, of course, they completely contradict themselves when it comes to the prison industrial complex, uh, the militarization of police and other things like that. But when it comes to the economy, theoretically, they're supposed to be uh, in line with fiscal responsibility. And they're just absolutely not being heard whatsoever when it comes to uh, this debt ceiling plan that Donald Trump and the Democrats have put together. It's really a fascinating week um, to see a Republican. I can't remember a president. You know, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders also uttered the line that Donald Trump has done more uh, for bipartisanship in eight days than uh, Barack Obama did in eight years. Of course, this is a a quite convoluted and, uh, and somewhat a lie, but there is no denying the gridlock. Uh, of the past eight years is that it, it, it's real. It's, yeah. it's very significant, and of course that's because the Republicans were actively uh, acting as obstructionists. But this is a significant week for the president, and it's a significant week for politics. I mean, it, it steps right into everything that yeah he painted himself as as right. a negotiator that he would reach across the lines. And you know, I mean, when this all started, Chuck Schumer, Pelosi, they were no fans of Trump. But then he goes and does they something like are. this. Now they got to say, well, he did the right thing. So yes. it's interesting to make your enemies have to like you for uh, eight days, you know, especially uh, in Washington's environment. And you were talking about the Steve Bannon stuff. Um, yeah. And you know that fits right into everything we've talked about with Roger Stone too. The the all or nothing, you know, win at all cost mentality. Bannon fit right into that. No morality that, whatsoever. That yeah, yeah. And, and Trump lives by that and Stone lives by that. And so it is fascinating now that they're bringing back this drain the swamp mentality. I mean, Sean Hannity had a whole tirade about Mitch McConnell. So you're absolutely right. They're putting targets on GOP guys' backs. Yeah. Yeah. And you wonder, I mean, uh, what's that going to look like going forward in 2018? Mm-hmm. They're almost discrediting the Democratic Party to the degree where they don't even mention it as yeah. an entity that is powerful enough to seek the presidency in the uh, in the United States right now. They're not mentioning the actual adversarial party. They're just talking about the GOP. And I think it leads to a lot of... Um, it is. It is. It, this is going to go down as one of the more fascinating times in American politics, specifically, uh, you know, with our um, with our binary system. Mm. You know, having someone fracture a national political party 
as the leader of that national political party is really something that we've never seen before in our lifetime. And it's unfortunate that it has to be Donald Trump in a lot of ways, again, because, you know, the transgender ban, the DACA situation, which he has now since uh, sort of uh, backpedaled on in a very bizarre way. I mean, it's really interesting, and it is something that needed to be done. I just really wish it wouldn't have been such an awful person to do it. Yeah, exactly. But does it require an awful person to do something like it? I don't know. I yeah. mean, I, I completely agree. If Donald Trump had um, had a, a moral compass that was more in line with the laborers that build his hotels mm-hmm. as opposed to the investors that help uh, him get money for those hotels, I think you'd be a much, much better person. Well, the laborers, and a much better president. The laborers are the ones that all voted for him in all the, the you know middle class and Midwest yeah. states. There were a lot of those. And, of course, that's Steve Bannon's worldview as well. You know, he talks about uh, total unbelievable it's not just a lack of empathy it's a lack of understanding about what this country is and bannon's worldview when it comes to immigrants and when it comes to people who built this country is very top down he looks at you know he looks at uh, you know the massive innovators and the the business titans and he sees them as the creators of all that we see around us in this uh, uh, amazing country but he doesn't identify with the people who actually built those buildings who didn't who who paved those roads who put up those stop signs who work daily to make sure that those institutions are functioning he doesn't focus on those people and i think that's that's a massive problem well of course not i mean that's you can see that in all these people's views of immigration in particular because they don't see immigrants as people uh just like they don't see the people down on the bottom the actual immigrants the people who do that work they don't see them as people they see them as drones they see them as tools right they see them as as creators to get to their ultimate goal yeah i mean they they are a means to an end they're not they don't care about them there's not they they absolutely do not care about them in any way. Yeah. So that was uh, you, you know, can that, see that in DACA as well. Like in getting rid of DACA, like that is just such a, a cruel, unfeeling thing to do. It just didn't make any political sense whatsoever no. either. And uh, but now, of course, Donald Trump tweeting out that he will rethink the issue in six months. I mean, we talked about this on the last episode with Lewis. Uh, why why put these people in purgatory? Why put them in the crosshairs? What is going on politically um, that you would have to do something like that to? For all intents and purposes, American citizens, and I have seen a lot of the responses uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to the Lewis episode. Um, a lot of people were tweeting at me, "Why didn't he just seek citizenship?" There's no path to it, right? Because the United States doesn't have a path to citizenship, which is what's so aggravating when you talk to a lot of people who I, I think in their I think they're good people. People are uh, you know good for the most part. I just don't think they understand when you talk about seeking a path to citizenship. You gotta have a road to get there, right. and there absolutely is not one right now. It's been under construction. This road to citizenship has been under uh, under construction for 30, 40 yeah, years, it, it's and it's never forever. been fixed. It's yeah. taking forever, and uh, so that's why you have a, a, a program like DACA that was needed because Congress can't get anything done. So when it comes to a path to citizenship. You don't think the immigrants want a path to citizenship? Yeah. Of course they do. They don't want to live under this looming cloud of deportation, of being uh, trivialized by uh, politics of the time. They don't want to live like that. It's a whole undue stress. It's an unneeded stress that they have to live with. They all want to be citizens. Uh, So that argument, I agree with it. And the thing is, ironically, that's exactly what they're trying to do when they sign up for programs like DACA. Mm Mm-hmm. They're trying to find a path to citizenship. It's the closest which, they can come. It's the closest they can come. So we need a path to citizenship in this country. Uh, otherwise, we're going to continue to have a class of people that is 
always going to be subjugated to the political whims of the time, and that really is the caste system of America. Mm. We were talking about this on the last episode. We talk about privilege, economic privilege, racial privilege, whatever it might be, the ultimate privilege of citizenship. Mm -hmm. That is the ultimate privilege in this country, and the Steve Bannon interview with Charlie Rose really emphasized that. His worldview is so singularly based on this notion of a uh, basically a, a Germanic America in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And uh, he actually went a again. A blood and soil America. A blood and soil America. Uh, this is, I mean, it's, 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 it's intense. And he's a very intense person. And you can tell. He's 100% all in at all times. And he's going 100% uh, speed at all times, uh, regardless of the amount of whiskey. You almost hope he doesn't drink, because if he does, Ooh. that's when he really gets angry. <laughs> um, but it, it was a fascinating interview. So go, get out there and, and, and watch that if you can. I'm sure it's on YouTube or something. Yeah. Um, but before the show, we were talking a little bit as well about Michael Flynn and the Russia investigation. Let's not forget this. We Good have Lord. so much going on here. Well, things are finally starting to happen. Yes. So we have the Senate hearings coming up soon, and Michael Michael Flynn, Marcus, you were telling me about this story. Uh, he met with the Saudis and he had, what, like a $100 billion deal? Well, it's not necessarily anything that has been extreme. Like, this isn't fact just yet. But House Democrats sent special counsel Robert Mueller what they say is evidence that former National, National Security Advisor Michael Flynn failed to disclose a trip he took to the Middle East to explore a business deal with the Saudi government and a Russian government agency. Hmm. Listen to this deal. Listen to the actual. This is what he went over there to talk about. So now under okay. under under the proposed deal, American consulting companies would partner with the Saudi government and Rosatom, Russia's government-run nuclear energy agency, to build 16 nuclear energy plants in Saudi Arabia. The Saudis would then sell that energy to eight other Sunni Arab countries, including Egypt and Jordan. And as, as a part of the deal, these countries would also buy military hardware from Russia, mm -hmm. according to the company's letters provided to uh, Democrats. This is okay. a $100 billion deal Ugh. that Michael Flynn... Did not disclose. Oof. Right. So we have a lie by omission, correct? Of course. Yeah. Yes. A lie by omission. And this is what he just did. What he did. This is, if they can prove this, this is highly illegal. What Oof. would be the point for him to do this? Is there any benefit to the Americans? Is there any benefit whatsoever? I it's believe that's what they were saying is that somehow it benefited it's somehow they're saying that They say that it somehow benefited. Now, what they said is that it would stabilize the Middle East and uh, improve, quote unquote, improve mm. relations with the Russians. Okay. Mm. So now we have really, this is the personification of nuclear uh, proliferation, correct? I mean, this is what he wants to do. He wants to get nuclear weapons throughout the Middle East. No, no, no. This isn't nuclear weapons. It's nuclear power and weapons. Two different right. things. Like, okay. So it's like he's trying to get nuclear power plants into uh, Saudi Arabia, right. uh, 16 nuclear energy plants uh -huh. in Saudi Arabia, uh, then the Saudis would sell that energy to other Sunni Arab countries, but the countries would also buy military hardware from Russia. So on, on paper, it seems like a good deal, perhaps, because you keep all the nuclear power in Saudi Arabia, which has been a trusted ally of the Western countries right. for years and decades, uh, as opposed to like Iran or uh, some mm -hmm. other uh, country getting a nuclear uh, power plant. And sure, so you're thing. giving the power to the Saudis. Yeah. And that right. thing, and on paper, you know, like, possibly. You know, I mean, uh, on paper, objectively, uh, it sounds politically yeah. okay, <laughs> but why... Yeah. 
But it's always the question, and that's the question that's been where we've been coming back to again and again and again and again. Right. Why with, do they lie? Why right. don't they mention it? Why don't they mention yeah. it? How do you why, forget that? How do you forget <laughs> traveling? Like, oh, yeah. by, and the re- you would think it would be a significant situation yeah. Yeah, yeah, in your yeah, life yeah, yeah. when you yeah, yeah, sign yeah. the $100 billion deal <laughs> with the Saudi government that has international ramifications. You would think you would remember that it one. looks good on the resume. I guess so, mm-hmm. yes. So this is really going to be heating up here. Um, and I'm excited for the Senate hearings to begin when it comes to the Russian collusion scandal. We'll see if, if Donald Trump, I think he'll go through unscathed. I don't I don't think uh, don't see him getting impeached or something like that. Yeah. But who knows what happens with Donald Trump Jr. and the Michael Flynn's of the world. Michael Flynn's political capital is very low. Oh, yeah. And the amount of allies he has in Washington are basically none. But he's still got the president. So he could still go through this and get some kind of crazy pardon. I, I do know. believe that. I, I think that that's the most reasonable I assessment. I, I would, of course, uh, Michael Flynn will definitely be pardoned by Donald Trump. There is no denying that if he does go down for this. Do you think he will? Because he, Flynn embarrassed Trump. Well, Donald Trump, again, proved uh, what we were just talking about with Steve Bannon earlier, the 100% in. When mm-hmm. you support Donald Trump 100%, uh, you know, he does go with you and he does side with you. And right. Flynn was one of his, uh, you know, first yeah. supporters and he one of, was one of the only... Um, military supporters that One of the first gave ones. him credibility when it comes to foreign affairs. Because, of course, I mean, we have a business guy, a reality show star. One of the more significant questions that we ask our president is, what are you going to do when it comes to foreign intervention? And Michael Flynn was able to give a little bit of credibility on that issue. So uh, I, I think that his he did disappoint Donald Trump. He has created this entire scandal. <laughs> Um, but I think that Donald Trump uh, would still pardon him. Yeah, because but of course that's speculation. I mean, lo- I mean loyalty also, but I mean that's why Trump ended up firing Comey is because Comey wouldn't let go of the Flynn investigation. Remember, right. that's mm-hmm. another part of how we even got here with with Mueller uh, yeah. being put in charge of the investigation. Yep. That is one thing that Bannon mentioned that I will definitely agree with that the that firing Comey was the biggest mistake, biggest political mistake in modern American history. Oh, really. Holy yeah. moly. I didn't know Bannon said that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. Bannon's the only area that I agree with Steve Bannon on is when it comes to the CIA, the FBI, and the military industrial complex and going against that. Mm-hmm. The, and deep, that the deep state. The so called deep state, right, which right. now, of course, the right has stopped using because they realize that Donald Trump, I guess, is succumbing to this so called deep state. They're just employees of the government for the past 30 years. But yeah, <laughs> right. deep state's a fun way to say it. Yeah. If you want to feel like Liam Neeson and you have to go, like, you know, pretend as if they stole your daughter and have to go, like, <laughs> get her back from Washington from the deep state. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that was uh, th- those, that part of the Donald Trump um, ideology, I think, resonated with a lot of people because there's a there's a truth to that. You know, there is a truth to the military industrial uh, complex uh, being an extreme hazard to the American people. I mean, we have a we have a military that costs six hundred and fifty six billion dollars a year. This is nuts. Yeah. And now, of course, we have the reinstitution of the 1033 program. So it's just going to continue on. The military industrial complex is trickling down into our police communities mm-hmm. uh, and into our local uh, into our local municipalities all over the country. We're seeing it manifest itself uh, even in drones now. Whatever happens overseas, you know, five years later, it happens over Pittsburgh. You mm-hmm. know, that's exactly the way it goes down. And that's what the American people see on a regular basis. And that was one of the areas that Donald Trump's rhetoric uh, was really significant. But then, of course, we have his actions, which are totally different. And that's the irony when we, when we mock Alex Jones talking about the prison planet. Jeff Sessions is the prison planet. Donald Trump, uh, by pardoning Sheriff Joe Arpaio, is sending a message to those people that over-policing 
uh, over-incarceration and uh, lack of constitutional rights for all Americans is okay. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's happening. So that's the irony of the rhetoric versus the reality. The reality is they are propagating and continuing the prison industrial complex, the militarization of the police. They are continuing to, uh, to um, harbor that on the streets of America. But in rhetoric, uh, it sounds good. Mm-hmm. You know, getting rid of these, uh, you know, deep state operatives, uh, again, so-called deep state operative, uh, operatives, uh, CIA, FBI, the, that kind of stuff. But he's not doing it. Right. And I think that's the great irony. And that's the massive problem with the Republican Party and with the Trump administration as a whole is that Alex Jones has to eat every single one of his words when he talks about prison planet. He just supported <laughs> someone who builds it day by day. Well, now he's uh, Alex Jones is very interesting right now because he really is trying uh, to figure out a way out of all this. You can you think so? I think really? I think this oh, one that he just the this story in. that he just posted uh, that he really talked about a lot that I think is really interesting and I think uh, very indicative of where Alex Jones is going is that he's saying that they're drugging Trump's diet coke. Oh, that's they're saying right. they're, they're putting, saying that, they're putting roofies in there. Yeah, that's what they're saying. They're, they're putting saying, regular coke in his diet coke. coke no, there's, there's calories in that coke. <laughs> I know. I see the documents. There's calories yeah. in the coke. Those they're, they're making him gay. Yeah. They're saying he's putting he's put they're putting drugs in his diet coke by six or seven o'clock every night he's slurring his words oh he's my slurring, he's slurring, slurring his words, words. They're, they're slowly poisoning him there's a, the deep state is the coup is coming the coup is coming wow. so that's what he's doing now I he's he's setting it. himself up for when, if donald trump does you know when let's be when, honest yeah. when everything falls apart when either yeah. he has to quit office because he eats mcdonald's every day yeah. uh, or because of this possible degenerative brain disease that he might have going on Who knows? his brain is slowly falling apart Boy. All or, of our brains are, to be honest. But, all of our brains yeah. are, but his, you can demonstrate. Yeah. You can make comparisons to see how much his brain's falling apart. Good Lord. Uh, or if, you know, he gets impeached or or if he says something stupid. Now he start, he's setting himself he's up. He's getting drugged. They're time, drugging his Diet Coke. They're Cokes. drugging his Diet oh Coke. Now God. it's every time he says something stupid, <laughs> they're drugging his Diet Coke. So he's, Alex Jones, he's starting a, he's starting to edge towards the door. Oh, oh my boy. goodness. Yeah, but st- while still keeping his brand. But he <laughs> yeah, can he's still right. say he's oh, right God, there and now. Now, and he can still uh, posit himself as yeah. this warrior that he loves to portray himself as. Oh, absolutely. Right, right. He he loves to be the victim. He and loves that. Well, everyone, he, victimhood culture has transcended political uh, identity and political party. Yeah. Everyone loves to be the victim. Mm-hmm. That is how they get a one they get one hand up on the other person yeah. by being the bigger victim. Well, that's the thing is that they get to both be the victim and the aggressor at the same time. Like right. they, they get right. to be the the victim, but still, and that's the left and the right. Oh, of course. Like that's that's all. That's across the boards that they get to be well, the victim, but they also get to act like a big tough guy. Because all of this shit only exists on the internet. Totally, and you know that goes back. Hillary Clinton has her new book coming out this week. Oh, I believe grief. it came out this. It, uh, this it came week. out Tuesday. yesterday. She was at um, um, at uh, Barnes and Noble in uh, Union Square. And I believe the name of the book is What Happened. Yeah. Uh, however, it is missing a question, a question mark, mark because yes. I firmly believe she is wondering like, what happened. <laughs> That'll happen. What happened? What, what happened? happened? Like the movie The Room. Like what happened? <laughs> it, it is. Uh, it's fascinating to see what she has done yeah. uh, with the book, blaming a lot of people. Uh, and she does take some blame she on takes, herself as well. Actually, so let's we'll be give fair. her credit for she takes quite how a much, bit of blame. How for much herself. blame does she take? Yeah. Well, uh, I think that she, you know, these are human beings. Yeah, and and she is seriously. I do believe that she has the question: Why do people hate me? Yeah, I, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, and of course, you know, there are a lot She's, of reasonable reasons. Again, the ten thirty three program, Libya was a horrible strategic. Mm-hmm 
blunder, the worst, one of the worst things under Barack Obama. Libya was a, a net, it was a disaster mm-hmm. and still is a disaster and a breeding bed for ISIS. But I think she was trying to be uh, perceived as strong and tough on foreign policy yeah. and going forward uh, to her n- inevitable run. Well, she said, first of all, she said the, the email thing. She's like, that was the dumbest thing I could have possibly done. That yes. was really stupid. Uh, she said, uh, but bad. it was also a dumber scandal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, and I kind of, the email scandal, it, it is like, okay. It's kind of stupid. It's, like, stupid. It, it's really stupid. In hindsight, very stupid. Yeah, in hindsight, it's extremely stupid. Uh, the, her comment about putting call workers out oh, of uh, business, she, yeah. she owned up to that. She owned up to Basket of Deplorables, kind of, but not all the way. I know, the Basket of Deplorables, I don't think, was a huge thing. Collapsing on 9-11, I think, was, the, does she talk about that? Like, she does not Maybe I shouldn't have had so many champagnes and uh, well, orange juices just, the morning of 9-11. I well, mean, you know, what happened there? I'd going, love to know what happened Going there. through the micro version, the micro, micro version of running for Brooklyn Borough President, when it comes to a national campaign, 68 years old, I think she was exhausted. Yeah. And, and rightfully well, so. Remember? Now, should she have been there? Should she have realized that maybe she's bit off more than she can chew that day? No, remember? Uh, she also kind of no. hints at her saying... Yeah, that she was the wrong candidate for this year for the like, whole thing for the whole thing that Holy she was, that she, was that she was the hmm. wrong candidate Hillary. that that she completely misread the entire situation she was like I ran the wrong campaign you know we don't talk that much mm. about the Democratic Party here but the infighting within that party I was talking to my friend Nomiki Kant the other day it is extreme it is and yeah. I don't see the Democratic Party at this time uh, at this point really congealing with a with a national message. Well, I don't know what their message is right now. Well, yeah. that's the nice thing about uh, the Bannon. But then what is the Republican message right, as well? exactly. Bannon and Trump and the GOP are at war with themselves, but the Democrats are equally at war with themselves. That's right. what 2016 did. It was yeah. an entire election that tried to get in new ideas and new blood, and now they've all got to deal with it. And right. we're seeing it in uh, my home state of Ohio. You got four candidates for governor on the Democrat side, and Jerry Springer might jump in, and Rich Just Cor- really getting back oh, into politics. Oh, baby, it could be a huge year next year. And then we I got- would check that out. Jerry mm-hmm. Springer, what a guy. Yeah, man. Mayor of Cincinnati, right? That's right. He, he yeah. had, there uh, was a small sex scandal, I well, believe. Well, he wrote a personal <laughs> check to a hooker in Kentucky. So <laughs> you're not supposed to do that when you're mayor no, of Cincinnati. <laughs> um, the, but, the good old days, or the strange old days, really, you had to write really, a personal yeah. check to a prostitute, but you a can, sex worker. Yeah. Right? You can see it being um, represented in Bernie's uh, Medicare for All bill that he just yep. he pitched uh, this week. Yeah. Kristen um, Gillibrand getting on board yeah. with Al that. Frank is on board. Warren's on board. But didn't Pelosi say she wasn't going to be Pelosi's on board? Pelosi's not going to do it. Of course, this is establishment Democrat versus a, a new progressive wing that uh, is trying to stand for something. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I guess on the grassroots level, if you look at this guy, Randy Bryce out of Wisconsin, he's at 47%. Uh, um, Paul Ryan is up there uh, just over 50, relatively close election. Um, who knows what mm-hmm. happens? I mean, maybe there is some insurgency with this new uh, more leftist ideology that the Democratic Party is adopting, but also it really does resonate with people Populists who might have supported someone like a Donald Trump, you know. Mm-hmm. So there is that there is that core constitu- uh, constituency out there who is just like, what's happening to us? Why are we getting screwed over constantly, constantly getting you know effed over? And uh, you know, if they if they just give them some bit of an olive branch, other than pick yourself up, uh, pick yourself up by the bootstraps. Uh, you know, Ayn Rand philosophy. If they give them something, perhaps they'll take the bit. I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll maybe they'll take uh, take the apple. We just don't know yet. No. So, I mean, 2018... It's anybody's uh, game. It's anybody's I game. Yeah, I, 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 it'll be fascinating. I predict that the Democrats 
and the Republicans basically stay the exact same when it comes to representation <laughs> because of gerrymandering and redistricting. That's what usually happens. 90-some yeah. percent of the incumbents stay in. But I do wonder if you're going to see more primarying you know, within mm, each yeah. party. Um, I yeah. know, again, back to Ohio, that's what you got going on just in our city council races in Columbus, Ohio. You got this progressive wing called Yes We Can trying to primary the establishment Democrats. Right. And so, you know, from there, it really is just like, all right, maybe more people uh, like Ben Kissel and every all these millennials should get involved, start running. And get you out, just get primary out the old people. And if you look at what's happening right now with the Republican Party, you know, we have a lot of politicians out there. Marco Rubio, uh, Ted Cruz, I believe Ben Sass, going to Iowa, going to New Hampshire, going to interesting primary states, mm-hmm. significant already, primary states. Yeah. They're already going there. So you wonder, do we see a Republican primary against Donald Trump in 2020? Yeah. And then do we see... God knows what's going to happen. A field of hopefully 20 Democrats uh, for 2020 so we can actually have something to choose from. And that could be a really great reaction to what happened in 2016. So there could be a greater outcome from all of this stuff. I know everyone's uh, you know, questioning what we are right now as a nation uh, and feeling a lot of stress. We talk about it all the time on this show. I do believe, you know, 20 years from now, there will be a diagnosed medical condition for people who lived under the Trump presidency. <laughs> we'll have a little extra fat under our heart. Perhaps our skin starts, uh, starts to turn orange or something. Um, but uh, that's one of the positive things that we could see is a lot of people getting involved uh, that previously felt like as if they couldn't, but then they realized... If a reality show, a television host can do it, why can't I? Yeah. You know, and so we'll just have to see. Um, but yeah, so Hillary's book, absolutely fascinating. I'm excited to read it. I'm going to listen to it on audio tape. Oh, does she read it? She does read it. Oh, wow. Which is very difficult to do. It's extremely difficult yeah. to do. And I, I believe that she has said basically she will not be running in 2020. Yeah. I think she should run for mayor of New York. She would win in a landslide, really and I would. think mayor of New York would be a great position for her, actually, because mm-hmm. she does have leadership skills, obviously. Um, and I think it's 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 a micro economy that is absolute. It, it's very important. It's very large. It's a large economy. New York, uh, of course, is the third largest uh, economy in America. We have we uh, it's it's California, Texas, and New York City. Uh, basically, New York City. It's New York State, but it's basically New York City. Mm-hmm. I think she'd do great uh, with running for mayor. Come in and get the goddamn trains running on right again. Get the trains <laughs> running, Hillary. I'll vote for anybody that gets the trains running right again. <laughs> oh, man, we could have had La Hoda. Oh, we could have had La Hoda. <laughs> That's it. Joe. Let's see. So what else is going on this week? Well, we got Ted Cruz. Yeah, you oh, mentioned that's Ted Cruz. Right. Oh my goodness! I've heard, so the, <laughs> I tell you, if he doesn't the jerk tweet off, liked around the world. Yeah, if you don't jerk off at 9/11, then the terrorists have won. Uh, <laughs> you know? Did yeah. I? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah that yeah, was on yeah. 9-11? Uh, so for those it was that, in the uh, wee morning hours of 9-11. Oh, I see. That's By the so way, bizarre. Uh, if you get a chance, go listen to the last podcast on the left, the uh, 9-11 episodes. Uh, Marcus, your research was just so incredible. Thank you. And the first episode will make you visibly weep. You cannot, don't watch it, don't listen in public. I had a lot of help on that one. Yeah, that was... Um, yeah, specifically wow. uh, our editor, uh, Megan, and uh, one of our uh, old friends, Samantha, doesn't work for us anymore, but we had a lot of, we had a lot of help on that series. That was a, that's a powerful three-part series. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you get a chance, go listen to that. Uh, Ted Cruz liked a porn link, and I was, the, the porn is relatively uh, normal, it's I will say. It's very bland. It's very, very bland. Very vanilla. 
Um, and that kind of got him in the news recently. Is just a woman getting railed on a couch? I no, oh, so. no, no. The plot is actually very fun. Oh, there's a very plot. Fun. Oh, yeah. There's two people uh, having sex in a house that's not theirs. And then the woman comes home. The woman looked a lot like Heidi Cruz oh. to his wife. Um, but instead of uh, kicking him out of the house, she uh, sits there and pleasures herself, which is unusual. That'll happen. Considering That'll Ted happen. Cruz, when he was. That's a, a fact. <laughs> when Ted Cruz was Solicitor General, he tried to ban dildos in uh, Texas. Oh, that's so right. I guess Why? this is how he wants to see it that's, done. Remember yeah. that story? No, I yes, do we not talked remember about, him trying to ban yes, dildos. We talked about this. Yes, Ted Cruz <laughs> tried to ban dildos. The real That's thing he a, did. What a maniac. I mean, you know, these politicians are just looking for any divisive issue that could right. possibly get them over uh, with with a uh, constituent group. And it's like, I guess he thought banning dildos was a big win. It's a big win. We're, we're going to get 100 votes if we ban dildos. <laughs> Let's do it. It's like, what are you talking about? Why, dildo vote. Why does that matter but, to the American people? That's why this this like on Twitter is so juicy because it's so hypocritical, right? You, well, of so, course. You of another course. case of a Republican trying to um, remove pleasure from millions of Texans' lives or millions of people's lives, and then well, he's off in the bathroom uh, wanking it to a woman that looks like his wife. And, and this is the problem with really... Uh, you but know, that's kind of sweet. I find it romantic. It's kind of <laughs> sweet. It is not. If you're his wife, Heidi, like, well, I was thinking about you. Yeah, of course. I mean, Donald Trump did uh, negatively uh, attack her looks there, which I oh, thought was God. unbelievably uh, vicious and mean spirited in 2016. But that is where the hypocrisy lies on the Republican Party, right? Like you have your moral majority people, your socially uh, conservative people like Ted Cruz. Of course, he looks at porn. Of course, he does every <laughs> single thing that human beings do. Right. And then on the He's left, even. you have it's more of a financial situation. Cory Booker taking big pharmaceutical money and stopping um, medicine from coming in from Canada for cheap so people could actually afford it. Right. You know, so the left, uh, it contradicts itself and the hypocrisy is on the economic level. Absolutely. Of you're you're yeah. supposed to be for the people, but you're getting all this, you're getting 600K from the big pharmaceutical companies who are running this whole damn show. Chuck Schumer and Pelosi are Chuck the Schumer same and way. Chuck Schumer Pelosi the same way. takes so much Wall Street money. So yeah. much. And the Republicans say, yeah, we take that money and then their hypocrisy comes on a social level. Yeah. Well, I'm reading this amazing book right now. It's more like a, a, a small book. It's called Kill All Normies. Yes. It's about Ooh. like 4chan and, you know, oh, wow. like in the rise of the alt-right and yeah. also uh, Tumblr and the rise of the alt-left. And like the writer makes like a really good point where like the left won the culture war, the right won the economic war. Mm. Like mm. the left completely abandoned any sort of economic equality uh, principles whatsoever. And we see that in people like Booker and Pelosi totally. and Clinton that take so much money and they completely forget about any sort of economic equality or any sort of economic policy. Uh, and they focus all on identity politics. Right. right. And identity politics is really where we're at right now. It's a cult of personality politics that we're living in. And when it comes to the big money, again, that was one of the one of the strong points of the Trump campaign was saying, I don't need the big donors, all right. that kind of stuff. Really, he was outspent by the Democrats. Uh, the Democratic Party, the DNC, of course, at that time, led by Debbie Wasserman Schultz now. Um, now Tom it's Tom Perez. Perez. Yeah. Uh, you know, they are big money people. Barack Obama, as soon as he got out of office, he accepted, I believe it was 600000 over $400,000. I was on Neil Cavuto's show talking. Neil Cavuto's show hasn't had me on for a while. I think I made them angry calling uh, Donald Trump a white supremacist. Yeah, you might have just yeah. said lost but all. That, that's yeah. okay. Uh, that's <laughs> fine. It's okay to speak the truth, Ben. Yeah. Yeah, um, okay that's, that's all right. But, you know, uh, Barack Obama going out there taking 400 k from Wall Street two months out of office. You know, these kinds of things, the American people see it, and uh, it, it just sends such a nullifying effect. It's, it, it nullifies their message. And then they say, OK, you know, the Democrats are taking the money. At least the Republicans say they're taking the money and uh, might as well just go with them then. 
at least they're not lying about uh, the corporate interests that they are no doubt all enslaved and indebted to. Right. I hate that, but what but about it sucks. shit? I, hate, I know, I, I know, I, I totally agree. I hate agree. that so much. It's like, but what? But they do it. I know, right. like yeah, 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 yeah. as if that somehow absolves them. Yeah. No. And that's the battle Bernie's trying to fight right now is, you know, because Bernie's a guy who flies coach. You know, he's a guy who, uh, you know, takes the train and uh, hangs out with normal people. I mean, granted, he made a lot of money off 2016 now. I think he, he did, bought yeah. that new fancy home I'm in not against making money off right? of and that's fame. The thing. You know, that's right. fine. You yeah, can do that, of course. He, he did is, a good is, job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's not about um, being, uh, you know, being successful in business and things, but it's like you said, it's being grossly rich the well, way Clinton was and the way Schumer is. It's and, also, yeah. you know, this is not a... In sync song, there are always strings attached. You know, there <laughs> that's are, a great reference. Yeah, sing- totally I love In Sync. I'm a big. In- I was listening to Lance Bass the other day. Yeah, I we think he a, likes me. We got. <laughs> I like Lance. I think we get his endorsement. Maybe we could. Oh, the oh. Lance Bass vote. Yeah, we got Michael Chase endorsement. We got Frank Conniff from Movie Signs of the nice. Mads. And Let of me call Lance Bass. He hit on me in a bar once. Did you? Did he really? Oh yeah. Really? Oh yeah. No kidding. Yeah, it was a oh. eating competition. <laughs> How do you do? Oh no, I was in it. You did it. Yeah, I. What were you eating? Vending. You told me this story. I have a lot of questions. Right. Yeah, I told you about I this, the vending questions. machine eating contest when I worked for the Onion. It was a vending machine eating yeah, contest. Yeah, yeah. We, oh, I talked so about cool. this like a few weeks ago on the show. Uh, on one of the shows that we were on, was Lance Bass a judge or a competitor? He was hanging out. Uh, cool guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was us against uh, AM New York. Yeah, you get three oh, wow. people. You have to eat the entire contents of a, a entire two vending items, machine. Two items each of an entire content of a vending machine, plus uh, two bottles of Dewars, like two airport bottles of Dewars, because uh, the whole thing was sponsored by Dewars. Okay. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. is the worst sponsor for that event I can think of. Yeah, 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 because I had to drink it. You want to feel like a businessman who misses his wife in a hotel? <laughs> <laughs> Come and drink yeah. Dewars and eat vending machine popcorn. Yeah, I was the one that had to drink the Dewars because, you know, they give you, like, water to drink yeah, along, yeah. so yeah. I just... So what I did is I mixed in the doers with my water. Oh, that's a great So idea. I just poured in the doers into a bottle of water and then wow. just drank that the entire time. That gets you drunker, though. It did. Yeah. But that's the thing is that as soon as I got off stage, I went to the bathroom. That was the most violent moment of my life, yeah. throwing up all that food. Oh, it God. came out like a solid log. Woo. But you beat AM New York. No, they beat us. because <sighs> they sa- Well, they sacrificed a member because if somebody throws up on stage, then they're out. Oh. So they, sacrifi- they had one of their girls. Yeah, now I remember this. as fast as she possibly could because we never left a man behind. That's right. Yeah, You never leave a man behind. You never sacrifice. Saving private parks. So you got to to throw up after. I got to throw up And then right after you go out of the stall, there's Lance Bass. No, we uh, went back to uh, How bored was Lance Bass that day where he's like, I got a a competition I got to go watch. (laughs) I don't know what he was doing. But yeah, and then like we went back to our seat where like everybody was hanging out. Uh, And then yeah, he was sitting next to me and you know, just kind of gave me some eyes and just like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm okay, Lance Bass. <laughs> wow. wow. Well, who knew a simple in sync reference would get to that story? That's a great story. I love it. Do or die. Do or die. But that's what it comes down to. With these politicians, uh, there are always strings attached to this money. And that's what happens as well when it comes to a universal basic income, this notion of replacing uh, welfare and, uh, and economic safety nets uh, you know, with a basic uh, you know, universal income. All strings are attached all the time. And you see it in Florida with people who uh, take uh, uh, government money. Um, Many of them are in need of it. They, they want to pass mandatory drug testing. They want to tell people how to live. They want to control your life. And that is, uh, so you have it on the societal level where the, when you start taking money from the government and solely rely on it, the government will tell you how to live because they're theoretically 
playing the position of parent. And when these politicians take money from these huge corporations, they are in the exact same role of being a child to a parental unit who is telling them what to think and how to vote. And that's why we have these corporations writing the bills that then they send fax over, email, whatever, to these politicians mm. who then just stamp it with a rubber stamp. Yep. And so that's the massive problem happening all over the country. And that is one of the areas where I applaud uh, the Bernie Sanders, the Elizabeth Warrens, the people on the left who really want to get to that core issue of corruption of cash. Mm -hmm. And I think that they're doing some good work. The question is, how do they get a message that can uh, motivate and encourage uh, working class voters to get out to the polls and support them. At this point, I just don't see a national message, and that's mm -hmm. the only issue. But I think if they ride that populism wave that Donald, uh, that uh, that Bernie Sanders rather, and Donald Trump, but Bernie Sanders specifically in this situation began in 2016, I think they have a chance. But they don't. Uh, want but it. the politics of the, they the, seem to you continue know, to reject it. You yeah. know, Marcus, when you mentioned the social war, I actually think the Democrats are beginning to lose that social war. Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, you know breaking down. Um, the, the the tribes are getting smaller and smaller and smaller but also more intense than ever before. Yeah. And we're seeing that, of course, on the right with your white nationalists, you know, your, your neo-Nazi groups, your alt-rights. Uh, you know, there are so many different pockets of individual uh, political groups that are really hardened in their beliefs. And it could be 10, 15, 25 people. Who knows? Mm -hmm. A nation of 320 million. Uh, you know, God, if, if you ask everyone uh, what their political affiliation is and you had to ask them truly what their thoughts are, you're going to get 320 million different views. Yeah, completely. You know? Um so the culture war, though, I think the left isn't doing themselves any favors uh, when it comes to uh, a lot of the social media rhetoric and a lot of things like that. And, of course, the right is, is horrible in that way, too. Both are to blame. When it comes to the statue controversy, we want schools. We need education. We need economic uh, upward mobility. Who gives a crap about a uh, Christopher Columbus statue? In, in on 54th Street or 58th Street. I, I just don't care about Columbus Circle. It doesn't matter. And it's it's symbolic, it's superficial, and it doesn't get to the heart of the issue. It's not, no kid in the Bronx is getting a better education because you take down a Christopher Columbus statue. Yeah. Right. And I think those are the issues that we really have to start focusing on again. But now we're in this sort of, so for the left, this whole statue thing, it's all superficial nonsense, in my personal opinion. And I understand the, the, the uh, you know, we don't want to idolize. And as you pointed out, Marcus, as well, these are, these are memorials of, of idolization. Traitors. Of traitors, yes. Yeah. But, it, but they are, it is, uh, you know, you don't, you don't build a statue of someone you hate, right? Yeah, you walk by it and you feel good. You, either, right, right. you walk by yeah. a, a Confederate flat statue, you either feel good or, or you weird. feel bad. But it's yeah. it, and I understand. weird. Yeah, yeah, and it's like a, but it, it, it is a cultural thing. And I see exactly what you're saying here. There just has to be a middle ground where it's like we, okay, so we spend some time on cultural stuff, but we also spend time on economic stuff as well. Yes, exactly. Like actual, actual policy that has, a very real world effect on people. Well, I think right? a lot of people it has an effect on a standard of living. Totally, a real effect. Yeah. on actual people's lives. I mean, not, that's what not we have to, to say get that to. like you know that other shit doesn't have an effect on people's psyche. You know, and it has an effect on their life. Yeah, but we're talking about standard of living shit that we that the left has totally forgotten about. Well, I, I right? just think if you would pull the majority of pe lower income people in this country desperately trying to survive, the issue of statues is very low on the list. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the areas where the culture war on the left, I think they're losing the battle. 
Yeah. I, I just, well, that, yeah, that's, that's my personal area. belief. Well, I'll just add, I mean, I'm from Columbus, Ohio, and we got the same thing. We got a, a big old statue of Christopher Columbus in front of City Hall, which makes no sense because he never came to Ohio. Um, he has I'm, no idea where that is. No, no, he was like, I've discovered Ohio. Meanwhile, yeah. he's in Alabama. Right. Like so um, I, I'm all for taking that statue down, though, because the hands are too big. It's just, like not a, <laughs> it's just not a good statue. Um, but I think you're right. You got to pick and battle, uh, pick and choose your battles uh, carefully because yeah. going forward, yeah, it's got to have real implications. It's got to resonate with people it does yeah. if either of these parties well, are going to get anything done yeah but the problem the thing is that the the statue um controversy didn't start with statues no it's like, it's a, of course. like right. that's a, that's the thing well, is that we these, it, it these was a bug wars, light for bigotry yeah, the, yeah these wars just kind of because the the statue thing would never have become an issue if well, uh, Charlottesville if right? Charlottesville yeah. hadn't happened I yeah, agree. and that's that's exact that's where this whole thing came I agree. from it's and just like I understand one battle builds on another yeah. but in these battles in fighting these battles the, I think you're right the left does become so focused on those cultural battles that they completely right. they forget, forget yeah. about standard of living Living battles, education mm-hmm. battles, healthcare battles. And we have a country, you know, we have, you know, usually 50, 55 percent people uh, of the people voting. Not always the same people voting. There is a fluidity there. There is a huge group in this country that is just constantly being ignored. And I personally believe it's moderates yeah. who see both of the sides and who just understand it's not about statues. It's about policy, and it's not about, you know, heated rhetoric. It's not about DACA kids. It's about, you know, making my life better. Hurting someone else doesn't make my life better. Taking down a statue doesn't make my life better. Let's just get to the actual issue. But the way that the politics have always worked throughout history is it's cult of personality, and it's all, uh, you know, sh- schadenfreude. There's yeah. a lot of that. There's America's a lot of making- never really been a moderate type of country. Well, I don't think that that's necessarily true, man. I mean, uh, America did a lot of stuff that was extremely moderate when it comes to, uh, you know, immigration standards, workers' rights. We were on the forefront of a lot of stuff that was extremely moderate in a lot of ways. But that's the thing is that those things at the time were not considered moderate. Those things at the time were considered radical. Yeah. I mean, yeah. workers' rights and, we, uh, we, like, those the things that got us, like, the weekend, the things that got us unions, like, that shit like was Like the rapper? Built- <laughs> I love shit, the weekend. That shit was built on the backs of that. That shit was built in puddles of blood. Yeah. That shit was not built oh, yeah, by the, being moderate. That the, shit was not built by saying like, "Well, maybe we should maybe work it out at some point." Like mm. big change in America. Like the reason why big change in America came is because it is a country of extremes. Right. Yeah, we, but we, I think the I, I think you do have to have your extremists out there. But at the same time. I'm talking about moderation in where was I mean obviously we had some violence we had a whole war and we, you know we have we have outbursts of violence on a regular basis but for the most part things are discussed and uh, decided upon in a relatively peaceful way for the and, most part. and that's moderate that's what I'm talking about when I, like a labor union to me is not fanatical getting labor they, like they I understand not fanatical but it, but it but came they used to be. yeah they used, they used to, to be get you know, broken under, up and killed like and they used to get fucking murdered strike yeah. Carl Pandram was a strike breaker the Pinkerton yeah, yeah. don't fuck don't mess with him yeah the people yeah. that the people that made the Unions in this country had to go up against people like Carl Panzer, a fucking serial killer, and the yes, Pinkertons. Do not do that. Like, so oh that, that was not built through moderate means. Right, yeah. right. No, and, I, and you but think I think the, the entire institution too. of a union is moderate because you are creating something in order to avoid violence. It you is are creating now. a political. No, back then too, it's a moderate. Re- it's a moderate reaction to people that are in need. You know, it's like let's unionize as opposed to let's go burn down the biggest house we see. <laughs> right. It's a, it's a it's a peaceful. I mean, again, relatively peaceful. <laughs> in that, uh, in that I, way, yeah, yeah. In that way, sure. and that's I'm not when I say extreme, I'm not talking about violence in any way whatsoever. I'm not, and those guys did not 
begin the violence, but they were met with violence. Sure. Yeah. You know, like those that like by saying like we're about like in like labor unions and shit like that, like that, that type of stuff was an American idea. Yeah. I mean, these mm-hmm. things are like and I would love for us to get a lot of shit done. And I, of course, abhor violence. I don't want any sort of violence to come around, you know, and rear its ugly head in the American political process whatsoever. But I also don't know if just straight moderatism is the way to go. Right. No, I I, I agree with you. Well, I think moderate's the new radical. Our country is, well, that's, ah. that could be, all, all things in moderation. <laughs> doesn't mean anything. Moderate's the new radical. Put means, it on a t-shirt. That means nothing. All Marcus will we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> all things in moderation, including moderation. But I think Marcus does make a great point. Our country uh, has almost like a pendulum type nature, right? We go from one extreme to the other. Yeah. You know, we go from having slavery to having uh, complete reconstruction and, and black congressmen, which then was met with the KKK. Of yeah. course, and the Southern Jim all that stuff yeah Yeah. and it just kind of swings back and forth so you know maybe that equals out to be moderate I just yes we have uh, times of moderation but I would argue that the 90s were a very moderate time oh yeah we got the internet well I mean I would argue it was a relatively extreme (laughs) yeah we do have NSYNC and Lance Bass well we that's that's a fun conversation though we'll keep it going here on Able Against Top Ed I think we have to wrap up the episode okay but uh, yeah that's a good point I mean the 90s were you know people saw it as moderate but what happened uh, when it comes to the criminal justice system was was horrible almost worse than Ronald Reagan Nixon would be very happy with Bill Clinton that's all I'm saying and the Glass-Steagall Act getting completely dismantled absolutely and everything. clear channel taken over yeah, everything communications Ugh, back to 1996 so we call it moderate but i mean if you look at what actually happened policy-wise very destructive very devastating for the american people so it looks like marcus's point may have been oh, oh did marcus no i'm not giving I, well, we'll let the audience Made decide my point <laughs> well done marcus well oh dang it uh that's fine marcus no of course that's what we have here on able against top a great conversation thanks so much for listening uh travis what do you want to plug here we have american mayor yeah this is actually an incredible documentary this is uh travis irvine he ran for mayor of bexley in 2007 and it is now uh, available and uh, on amazon amazon september 19th uh, it's going to be one of them streaming movies um one I'm, of them streaming movies yeah i don't know if we're on amazon prime but i know we're a step above the people who sell shoes on amazon so <laughs> we had to go through a whole approval process uh, it's a labor of love for me just because again i ran for mayor as a millennial as a young millennial when i was 24 years old in 2007 um we finished the documentary in 2010 another company stole it from us for four years and now we're getting it back on amazon and i think it's the perfect time because millennials a lot of your list Listeners, yep. uh, they want to get involved, and it is time to get off the internet. Get involved. Get on the ballot yourself, yeah. like Ben Kissel is doing. You, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Don't be scared. It's a horrifying process, and we'll talk about it on the episode. When it's all said and done, it's like it's We can strange. talk about all the logistics and all that stuff. All the logistics. But, we'll get into that. But and it's just totally worth ever-looming cloud. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a, it's, you know, Marcus, we've been going through it together. Mm-hmm. It's a year-long process. Yeah. And, you know, we, we committed to it, and we're doing it, and uh, it's a great experience, and it, it teaches you a lot about yourself, and... And uh, it also really makes you fall in love with your community because you get a chance to talk to people um, that you wouldn't have talked to otherwise. So um, we'll keep you updated on all that. Thanks, everyone, who, again, uh, who voted in the primary here in Brooklyn. we got a lot of things to come. We have a, We're going to keep on doing the shows and all that. Um, so that's basically it, right, Marcus? That's it. Find Marcus Parks on Twitter, at Marcus Parks. Instagram, at Marcus Parks. I'm at BenKissel1 on Instagram. And newly verified Ben Kissel on Twitter. Ooh. I am requesting them to unverify me as we speak. Uh, I'm not going to do that, actually. <laughs> I, I was quite happy with the verification, to be honest. Yeah. But I am a man of the people, so I will... I will 
I'm, we'll let it stay. Well, let's let's we'll let it let's stay. Let's just let it stay, Ben. You deserve it. <laughs> you deserve it. I guess. Um, all right, Travis Irvine. Find everyone. Where can people find you? Travis Irvine USA uh, on Twitter. I've got the same Twitter strategy as Sarah Palin and Jim Webb. What's that? Putting uh, crosshairs over. Uh, no, you throw gun USA at the end of it, so everyone knows where you're from. All the other Travis Irvines are Canadian, so that's how I ended up. It is. Wow, I never noticed that. <laughs> Every single Canadian one, name. you can go yeah. through and check them. Good lord, great name up there, Travis Irvine. E. <laughs> yes, of course, gun opponents is what I meant to say there. Oh. All right, there it is. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.